Sales Tuners, Episode 19, Trish Bertuzzi, President and Chief Strategist at The Bridge Group. Like, I think the art of the close is a lost art. Like when I listen to calls, I'm like, where are the closing questions? Like, what's going on? This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from John F. Kennedy, who said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Today, I'm joined by arguably one of the most respected sales professionals in the industry, Trish Bertuzzi. Trish founded the Bridge Group, where she implemented her passion for inside sales daily. She has dedicated the last two decades of promoting inside sales as a community, a profession, and an engine for revenue growth. Her success in having worked with over 300 B2B technology companies has seen her research and ideas featured on Inc.com, in Forbes, and led to the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Sales Development Playbook. You're going to love this one. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Okta for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Okta is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash Bertuzzi. But now let's get to the conversation where Trish talks about the most critical success factor, her passion for sales. So what I'm selling today is services. I'm a services business. We're a consulting and implementation firm. And the reason I say we're both is because we don't just tell people what to do. We actually help them accomplish their goals. So both strategy and tactics. We go into companies and help them figure out how to unleash the power of inside sales. And when I use the term inside sales, I'm very much using it as an umbrella term. Because there are many functions that now fall under that umbrella. We're talking about potentially sales development, which is where they're building pipeline. We're talking about what I refer to as inside sales, which is actually quota carrying people. And now we're actually even talking about customer success or account management. So inside sales, big umbrella term. We work with them all. Anyone who's engaging with buyers or customers using the phone, web, and social media. Got it. Got it. So that's the bridge group today. Um, if, if you have to sit back and think about it, Trish, what has led to your success? What's made you, you, you know, that is actually a great question. So thank you for asking. I think what has led to the success of my firm is that my passion for inside sales. I mean, I've been doing this for over 30 years. I've had the bridge group for over 20. So inside sales is kindly finally come into its own. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm an overnight success, 30 years in the <laughs> making, you know? So that's one thing. But I think the most critical success factor is the fact that I sell every single day 
that is what I am most passionate about is engaging with potential buyers in the sales process. I love to sell. And I think if you're going to have a successful business as the owner, you need to embrace sales as a personal critical success factor. It's amazing to me the amount of entrepreneurs that I meet that, you know, maybe they've just started their company or they've had their company for years and they don't realize that they are the VP of sales, even if there is one, right? Like what what do you think it is about entrepreneurs that they don't want to sell? They think they can hire that out. What, what do you think about that? I think they just don't understand that it's a critical success factor. I think they think it's a necessary evil, but not possibly a critical success factor. And when I talk to entrepreneurs, they're like, yeah, we've been through two VPs of sales. It just hasn't worked. I'm like, dude, have you figured out the sales process? Have you figured out the sales process? Because until you figure it out, no one's going to be able to repeat it for you. You have all the domain expertise. So you're the one that owns that. And if you think you don't, you're going to struggle. Now, so where I want to go with this, I, we might be able to get into your book right away, but also, you know, th this concept of what you just said, have you figured out the sales process? That's what you're doing for companies. You're going in and you're helping them define what that is, whether it be, as you said, at the top of the funnel with sales development, whether it be the quota carrying reps at the inside sales or this new concept of account-based revenue. But how do people put together the right sales process for them? So where they start is understanding their buyers. What most people do is when they create a sales process, they create the sales process that they want to execute, right? Well, this makes sense to me, so this will be our sales process, but that's not necessarily how it works. What you need to think about is, okay, how are buyers going to buy from us? You know, who are our ideal customers and who are the buyer personas we're going to need to engage with and how are we going to have to engage with them? And it's different. You know, like there's a million variables to a sales process, right? So the people that are selling to innovators and early adopters, um, they have a very different sales process than people selling to a commodity product. So I think understanding from the buyer's viewpoint, what makes the most sense to move the needle forward, what steps are required, that's what you need to do to build an effective sales process. So Trish, when you look at, uh, this podcast is all about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that lead great successful or great salespeople to their success. But when you think about that, what are, in your opinion, the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques of, of, of hiring the right, and let's start with sales development. When you're looking at that sales development hire, What's the right profile? What should they be doing or thinking about to be successful? I wrote a whole book about it. There we go. <laughs> right? So there's not a short answer. But I think if you're hiring sales development people, you know, I when I hear people say to me, yeah, I'm just going to hire some young, hungry people and let them pound the phones. I'm like, you are going to fail mm -hmm. and you are going to fail hard. So what you have to do is hire people that are curious you want them to be curious about what's this like? This is my first job in sales. What's this like? And how can I work to perfect this as a craft? You want them to be curious about the value you bring to the market. Like, why are we selling this? 
How does it help our customers build a better business? You want them to be curious about your buyers. Like, hmm, I'm selling to a CFO. What's their job like? What do they care about? What are their challenges? I think curiosity is the main ingredient you're looking for. Curiosity and the passion for self-development. I love that. It makes complete sense. It, it, it kind of goes into the path of even how they start to develop their question sets and, and things like that is truly just being curious, as you said earlier, you know, um, understanding that it's how the buyers buy from you, not how or not what you want to do. So I uh, appreciate that. How do you, um, I guess, onboard people or, or ramp them up into making them successful? So taking that young person that they they want to just uh, yeah. think pound the phones, but how do you make them the, the, the trained salesperson they need to be. All right. So let's think about this now. When we're hiring people, and I'm going to focus on sales development, early on in their career, they have just spent 22 years going to school. And when they go to school, their day is super structured. And when they go to school, they're told what to do. And when they go to school, they have metrics by which they're measured and rewarded. Then they go out into the workforce and we expect that they're going to translate into being self-directed, self-driven, self-motivated people. Well, hello? How about if we ease them into that, right? You don't go from one type of life to another and make the leap successfully. So when we talk to our clients, we're like, okay, you're hiring millennials, first or second job out of college. We need to get them immersed in what we're doing before we teach them how to sell anything or before we teach them how to talk to buyers. So what are your, what is your vision and mission for your company? Teach them that first, like why you're in the business you're in. Now let's teach them about your buyers. And I talked about this a little while ago. Like, what do they care about? What are their challenges? Where are they hanging out socially, online events, physical events? What are they talking about? What books are they reading? Really get these people to understand your buyers. Once you do that, you can definitely start teaching them your process. But you got to give them the process. Don't just say you got to make 60 calls a day and send 20 emails, that doesn't make sense. You should say, we're going after a CFO. We're going to touch him 12, 12 times in 20 business days. We're going to use a combination of voicemail, email, and social. Here's the cadence by which you're going to do your outreach. And here's the story you're going to tell every time you reach out. Every time you reach out, it's a little different chapter in the story. You train them that way, you plug them into this process that you know is successful and repeatable and scalable. That's what is good onboarding is about. And that's what gets you to success. Got it. Got it. You, so you talked about, you know, because obviously the, the, most of the SDRs are being hired today are the millennials just because of, of time. Yep. Um, yep. But the, 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 the elements that you just talked about, Trish, are, are they reluctant to some of those things? Are they reluctant to pick up the phone? Because that's not what they do. It's not that how they communicate with their peer group. Are you seeing well, Yeah, I get where you're going, Jim. That's a great question. Um, then that should be part of your vetting process. Like, why would you hire someone for a phone-based job if they're reluctant to pick up the phone, right? 
Sure. Like, hello. So none of us need more emails in our inbox. Amen. <laughs> none of us, right? We don't need more pen pals, but we do, you know, respond to a great conversation. So part of your vetting process for these people should be, you know, their ability to be on the phone. And uh, one of our clients does something that I think is absolutely brilliant. So what she does, um, this is Natasha Sakat at VM Turbo, and I actually talk about her in the book. But what she does is she'll make an offer to the candidate she thinks is going to be great. But before their start date, they come in for a day and sit with different reps throughout the day to see what the job is like. And she has, she said, I forget the exact statistic, but let's say she has a 40% fallout rate of people that go, you know what? I do not want to do that job. Hmm. Her point is better to know sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, that opportunity cost of hiring that wrong person yeah. and it, not even just the opportunity cost of time and salary and things like that, but the true opportunity cost of lost revenue, lost potential revenue, lost pipeline. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's that's pretty awesome. Trish, you've been doing this for, for 30 years, 20 of it with the Bridge Group. What has changed? What do you think the biggest change has been in sales uh, during your time? Everything has changed. <laughs> okay. Everything. Um, so... Our buyers are crazy busy, right? Cra you know, busier than ever before. We're busier than ever before. So I think what has changed is our requirement to communicate much more succinctly than ever before. Voicemail is different. How you use voicemail is different. Email should be totally different than ever before. It's on, you know, only read on mobile. Who are we kidding? You know, you have to structure it the right way. Our buyers used to give us 30 seconds to capture their interest. Now we're lucky if we get 12 or 15. We're killing them with content. Content is the new spam, right? Hmm. Inbound rates are degrading. So, Everything is different. We need to be smarter. We need to be more articulate. We need to communicate in sound bites, and we need to add value throughout the process. All of that is different. It's, it, I totally get what you just said, but it's like, you know, communicate more succinctly, but yet add more value. Like, how do you, how do you smash the two together? And I guess you started to go along the lines of communicate in sound bites, but how do you break down such a potentially a big complex thing? into that nugget that the buyer can understand and, and get them interested. So, I mean, you, what you're trying to do is arouse curiosity, right? So that's what you're doing when you're prospecting. Too many people try to get the whole message out there while they're prospecting. That's not what you need to do. You want to arouse curiosity. How you can arouse curiosity is saying, hey, Bob, I know you're in the home entertainment business and some of our clients also in that same business, have doubled their revenues by looking at this one particular business issue. I'm happy to share with you what we're seeing. You don't have to tell them what the business issue is. You don't name to up other customers. You don't do any of this. You're looking to arouse curiosity. Once you book that call, though, you have to make it as much or more about providing that buyer with information and value than you do about you qualifying them. Nobody wants to be Banted, right? Mm -hmm. Bant is dead. Nobody wants the bant question. So start to develop that relationship by adding value via great information they might not have access to on their own, and that will launch your sales process. 
Got it. Let's move, Trish, a little bit to the inside sales now, right? These are the quota carrying reps. What do you think it is that it's holding um, you know, the best salespeople back from hitting their goals? I don't think they know how to close anymore. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't think they ask closing questions. And if they do, they ask it at the end. Hmm. Like I think the art of the close is a lost art. Like when I listen to calls, I'm like, where are the closing questions? Like, what's going on? We just scheduled, asked to schedule another call, and we didn't ask about time frame or decision maker or like, we're just so happy they talked to us. Like, what happened? That's why I think there are uh, a new market or a new category of technologies coming out that is call recording software mm -hmm. that can actually use artificial intelligence and or just good old human listening to help reps understand. Like, you, you just did a 30-minute call and asked no closing questions. Like, that's an issue. Let's work on that. Are they scared of it? Like, why? Well, number one, a lot of times, and I'm not throwing the entire group under the bus, but a lot of times we have promoted our best sales rep into a management role, but never taught them how to coach hmm. or how to share their information. Um, and if you don't know the questions to ask, or if the questions you've been given to ask don't fit your style, because there's many styles for closing, right? I'm super direct. Other people don't like that. So they can ask questions, the same questions, but in a different way. I think lots of people are uncomfortable, uh, but your buyers appreciate it. They really do. If you ask the question at the right time in the right way, they appreciate the fact that you're trying to understand, you know, okay, where is this taking us? Yeah, so... One of my colleagues used the, the, used the example of uh, uh, dogs chasing tennis balls, and he refers to salespeople as they're just dogs chasing tennis balls. So you got a prospect on the line. Prospect says, hey, I want a white paper. That's that's the throwing of the tennis ball. And then the salesperson runs off and gets it and brings it back. And then once you bring that back, it's like, okay, now I need a demo that's custom to my environment. Go. And as long as that tennis ball is going back and forth, the salesperson thinks they have a great deal in front of them and they're just happy as, as can be. But as to your point, they're not actually trying to close. They just want to keep talking. So how can we shift that to closing, asking for the business? Well, I don't know. Coaching, training. Coaching has fallen by the wayside. That's sad. Is it because people don't have time for it? Why do you think that they is? I think it's because they don't prioritize it anymore. I think they get their day gets so busy that coaching falls to the bottom. And I think so many people don't know how to coach, so they're not comfortable with it. So, because so, I, I totally agree with one of the things you said, Trish, you said uh, that more often than not, we're taking our best salespeople and we're making them a manager. And that just, it, it could work, but more often than not, I, I don't think it is. How can we train people to be better coaches? Do you have concepts around that? I have a million concepts around that. <laughs> I think it depends on the individual. Like, where are they in that coaching spectrum now? Are they newbies? Um, are they comfortable? What Do they know all the avenues for coaching available to them? Live coaching, group coaching, uh, recorded call coaching, 
Um, how do you do an effective, how do you deliver feedback? What questions do you ask? What's your exact role? It's not just to sit there and yammer away at the rep, but how do you add value to that rep? How do you open those lines of communication? I think it's a skill set that needs to be learned. Yeah, totally. Totally with you, but it, it's hard, right? Because we just think, oh, well, this person was successful. Let's just make them the manager and then they can just tell everyone else how to be successful. And um, I've had another guest on the on the show talk about is this paint like Picasso fa- uh, fallacy. Well, if I just look at a Picasso painting and say, just, just paint like Picasso, all of a sudden I'm Picasso. And it's not the case to your point. You really got to uh, stroke that muscle and uh, and teach it. Yep. Yeah. We use the analogy. It's like, you know, you can't learn how to drive by sitting in the passenger seat. Hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. You can't just tell them what you did or conceptually try to embrace it. You actually have to know how to drive the sales process and then articulate how that happens. Yeah, yeah. So 20 years, Trish, with the Bridge Group, how do you sustain your level of success and your level of performance for that long, you know, I know, I know things evolve, but, but how do you keep doing the same thing over and over? And, you know, maybe talk about it with the reps that you are, you've been working with too in the companies, but how have you sustained this? Because it's not the same thing at all. The business changes rapidly and it's our job to stay on top of those changes um, and that's why we've become a thought leader in the space is because we do it so effectively. And we, and we have a couple avenues available to us. So one, we do amazing research, which we give away for free mm-hmm. on our resources page. So we're known for our the quality of our research. And then secondly, you know, at any point in time, we probably have 30 to 35 active clients going on. We have a big team of consultants. We share best practices all the time. Um, We have a monthly huddle at the very least. And we're constantly saying, oh my God, this client did this. It works so great. We should think about that and bring it into other clients. So I think the reason it's been sustainable is because I'm as excited about it as I was 20 years ago. Um, I love to learn and uh, as do my consulting team. And I think we just wake up every day and we're psyched for what we can do and, and the value we can bring. I love it. I love it. So uh, all that research and, and it's it's funny when I'm out there doing research around anything that I'm trying to, to get done within sales, I'm going to come across a bridge group <laughs> a piece of research or content. So thank you for that. Uh, it has been fantastic for me. All that research is part of what led to your book, you know, the Sales of Moment Playbook. Talk to yeah. me about that that process and, and why you did it and, and what you're seeing uh, since releasing it. So that's an interesting question because I had no desire to write a book. Okay. Um, but uh, Jill Conrath, who is my mentor and one of my absolute favorite authors who just released, I think, her fourth book um, recently, she ke- kept saying to me, you own the space, so just own the space. And I'm like, what? She's like, you own the space, so just go own the space. I'm like, oh, okay. So it took me a year to write the book because it's really hard to write a book and run a business, but I did it. Um, It's got amazing feedback because I wrote it in a super actionable format. It's not theory, it's tactics, which people have responded well to. And what it's done for the business is just like Jill said, you know, if people are going to talk about sales development, they're going to talk about 
Trish Bertuzzi. They're going to talk about the Bridge Group, and they're going to talk about the Sales Development Playbook. So it cemented us uh, just like Jill said it would. That's fantastic. I'm going to make sure I link to it in the in the uh, in the show notes here. It is fantastic. I've read it. Uh, great, 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 great work. So uh, thank, thank you for you. that. <laughs> and just so you know, the audible version will be out in January. Oh, even better, even better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we we've talked a lot about the successes. We've talked a lot about the things that you're seeing out there in the space right now. I feel like every salesperson. Um, Trish has a, a, the story or they remember the one that got away, right? A time that they just failed in that sales process. Can you bring something to the table that, uh, that that's been the case for you? Oh, God. I'm still <laughs> heartbroken about this because I wanted to work with this company so bad. So I was dealing with a company. It was a competitive situation, um, myself and a competitor. And I was working with someone I had the most amazing relationship with. Amazing. Um, and I kept getting verbal feedback from that person who was actually an influencer in that deal that, oh, we're going to select you. You've done such a great job of articulating your differentiators that I went into coast mode. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to get this deal. This is awesome. Well, while I was coasting, my competitor went up the food chain. Hmm. And it positioned themselves with differentiators, which I also had, but had not positioned at that level. And they won the ear of the people, the senior, senior executives. So when push came to shove, I lost the deal. Wow. I'm still sad. I'm sure. I'm sure. You Just like you said, you didn't, you just didn't go up. You thought you had it in the bag and... I coasted. Yeah. I got cocky. How do you, oh, you, you, you've talked about coaching today. Like, how do you coach against that? How specifically, how would um, a sales rep be coached out of that, not having that happen to them? Well, the first thing is never talk to just one person in an organization. I mean, decisions are never made in a single thread any longer. It's almost like always a buying group, a buying committee, sometimes a buying battalion. So make sure that you or other people in your organization are multi-threading. And that's why I think account-based selling is making such a huge impact now. It's just emerging as a strategy. And I think it's for that very reason is that the buyers, the way they make decisions have expanded so dramatically. And we absolutely need to address that as, you know, part of how we sell. There, there's so many places I want to take that, but I'm going to go here first. So you're right. Uh, decisions are no longer single threaded anymore, but very often, right? And I have this myself. You talk to the prospect and they say, no, I'm the only person you need. I'm your guy. I'm the decision maker. We don't need anyone else. How do you yeah. get, how do you get around that, that excuse? Well, so first of all, well, there's a couple things you could have done, but first of all, um, you should have communicated up the food chain. So sometimes, let's say you want to sell to the VP and you get a lead from the director. So the lead comes in, you go, okay, director, what I've done in the past is then send an email 
to other people in outreach email to other people in the organization that are up the food chain, just saying, thought you might be interested in this. If your organization is looking at that, here's some content that could be helpful. I'm always here to help. Let me know if I can do so. A simple action like that negates having to bargain for access to power. And so you do that while you're in the pro- sales process or prior to beginning a sales process? Prior to beginning the sales process. Now that's from an inbound lead, right? Sure. So now when I'm talking to the director and he's like, I'm the only one, you go right that very first conversation. I go, oh my God, it's so funny that I'm talking to you. I just sent an email to Sue and Mary today. Hmm. What's the coincidence there? You know, whatever. It's just a tactic. The other thing is you can call in other people. You don't have to be the only one in the account. So if you're in a sales process and you're stuck at one level, have someone else in your organization call higher. That's that's fantastic. It makes so much sense. And, and maybe like the same thing. So like if, if they need to bring in their CFO or director of finance, something like that, you bring in someone on your team that you know, has a financial relationship so they can have a, a peer-to-peer conversation. Is that what you're, you're talking about? Okay. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. So Trish, you brought up the concept, uh, account-based selling is, is, it's hot. Everybody's moving toward it, account-based marketing, but but you call it account-based revenue. What is What does that mean? Oh, thank you for mentioning that, Jim. The reason I call it account-based revenue is because that's what it's about. It's all about the revenue. So when people talk about account-based marketing, I'm like, well, that's interesting, but how does that incorporate the sales side of the house? And the people that are really doing account-based selling the best have sales and marketing alignment, the likes of which we've never seen before. So the reason I call it account-based revenue is A, because it is about revenue, and B, so that people know sales has to be part of this equation to make this work. Hmm. Yeah, it's... yeah. I'm with you. I'm Josh. You're sitting here shaking my head. You're totally right. Trish, I'm going to take a, a quick break uh, to say thank you to our sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And Sales Sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Sales Sooners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. We are back and it's time for the money round. Trish, are you ready for the money round? Totally. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Focusing on perfecting the craft of sales. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? Reading. Which phrase describes you best and why I love to win or I hate to lose? I hate to lose. And why? I just hate to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I just enough. hate it. 
All right. All right. I, I, I agree with you. This is my answer to that question as well. So um, what's a book? And you might mention your own, but what's a book you've read multiple times or always recommend uh, to others? Something by Jill Conrath. And I'm flip-flopping between Selling to Big Companies, which was such an amazing book that I actually called her and said, oh my God, your book was amazing. That's how we became friends. Or she has another book that I love called Snap Selling, How to Sell to Crazy Busy Buyers. I would read them both multiple times. So, All right. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Trisha's suggestion of selling to big companies, uh, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. Trish, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Learn, read, try, experiment, A-B test. Don't be afraid. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to get you out of here on this one, Trish. If someone were to uh, want to find you or connect with you after the show today, how might they do that? Trish at bridgegroupinc.com. If you want our free research and resources, it's on our page at bridgegroupinc.com or follow me on Twitter at at bridgegroupinc. Trish, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. It's no wonder Trish wrote the book on this subject. If she would have let me, I think we could have talked for another couple of hours because her passion was just on another level. I want to get to my top takeaways. Number one, own the space. Your passion or lack thereof is infectious. As a salesperson, you know more about your product or service than your prospect and need to own that entire sales process. Know what your competitors are saying. Know what analysts are saying. Truly understand the problem that needs to be solved and guide your prospect through the conversation. Number two, arouse curiosity. Buyers are busier than ever. You don't have to get the whole message out when prospecting. Learn to communicate succinctly and give information and sound bites that will develop the initial relationship and provide value. This should make buyers curious enough to respond or come back to you at some point in the future. Number three, change is constant. Content is the new spam. Many large companies are getting rid of voicemail. Emails are read on mobile devices more often than not, and everything is in motion and changing rapidly. What worked for you just last year may be less effective now, so be mindful and observant in patterns of change you are seeing. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guests, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out our expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there!